in contemporary Christian media, and I use that term loosely, there is little, if any, talk about the eternal condemnation for those who refuse to accept the gospel. They don't talk about it. The primary focus is more directed toward physical, temporal things than spiritual things. They're not concerned that they don't talk about eternity. They're more concerned about how one can get ahead financially in this world more than how one can get ahead spiritually in this world. And they don't really understand that if you get ahead spiritually, you will get ahead financially. Eternity is not something that's on the average human mind. They don't talk about it. It's just not on their mind. Therefore, living in readiness for God's appearing is not on the average human mind. Well, the reason could be that living in readiness for God's appearing is simply not coming across the pulpit. Nobody's talking about it. It's as if preachers are afraid that if they preach about the eternal damnation of sin, people will not come to their church. And they're right. So they choose not to preach the reality of hell. Why? Because people are offended at the idea of spending eternity in hell. And you ought to be offended. The idea of spending eternity in hell and the lake of fire and brimstone is, is, is ought, to, ought to be offensive. It ought to offend everybody and make everybody want to be saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. Well, I'm here to remind you and anyone that listens to that podcast that hell is real. Hell is the place for souls who have not been have had their sins have not been remitted by repentance and baptism in the name of Jesus in the water and of the spirit. Hell is the place where souls that have not been washed in the blood of the lamb are tormented until Jesus sits on the throne of judgment. And then after judgment, the Bible says all who were in hell will be joined with death and thrown into the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Imagine a place where the righteousness of God will never dwell. Imagine a place where every corrupt, foul, evil, vile, and putrid thing exists. That's hell. Well, some question, why would a good God-loving God condemn souls to the eternal damnation of hell? God doesn't condemn anyone to hell and death. Sinners are self-condemned when they refuse to accept the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ as the atonement for sin. And they have a right to. They have a right to reject the gospel. This is an exercise of the freedom to choose that God gave them. Where one spends eternity is a choice that everyone is free to make. Now, during the time of Abraham, there were two cities, Sodom and Gomorrah, where the lusts of the flesh, the lusts of the eye, and the pride of life were the common lifestyles. The Bible says the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. Genesis 13, 13. Adultery was a common thing. Fornication was accepted as normal. Homosexuality was acceptable. They worshipped idols and false gods. 
murdering, lying, cheating, and stealing were everyday occurrences. Sodom and Gomorrah were cities like Atlanta, Austin, Dallas, Chicago, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, Miami, New York, San Francisco. In Sodom and Gomorrah, sin was not even hidden from the eyes of the people, just like it is not hidden today. We see the effects of sin everywhere, especially on television. Men kissing men and women kissing women. Mm. The evil and wickedness in Sodom and Gomorrah were pervasive. These cities were so consumed in immorality that God rained down fire and brimstone. The same fire and brimstone that hell and death shall be in after judgment. Now, Abraham had a nephew. His name was Lot. And he lived in Sodom. And two angels came to him and told him that God was going to destroy these cities as the consequence of their sins and iniquity. He said, Lot, they said, Lot, take your family and get out, especially take your wife and get out of Sodom and Gomorrah because God is about to destroy it. And, you know, to this day, they can't find the, the, the where it was. They don't know where it was. Genesis 19:15. the angel said, Genesis 19:15. the angel said, arise, take thy wife and the two daughters which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. Verse 17, they said, escape for thy life. Look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain, but escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. Is that what it says? So the angels told Lot, take your family and get out of Sodom. Escape for your life and don't look back. Don't stay on the plain. Don't stay on the flatland. Get out, get off the flatland and go to the mountain and you will be saved from the wrath of God. But don't look back. Verse 24. Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground. God wiped that earth clean. Like I said, they can't even find where it was, uh, where Sodom and Gomorrah once stood. Well, you know, Hebrews 29 says our God is what? A consuming fire. You see, the surest way to remove sin is to consume it in fire. That's why when you get saved, you get baptized in the Holy Ghost and with fire. Because it's the fire of the Holy Ghost that burns all that sin out of your soul. Now you might wonder, how could a loving God do such a thing as rain fire and brimstone on two entire cities? God didn't condemn these cities. They condemned themselves. This was the consequence for their sins and iniquities. Now, it's interesting to note about we human beings. We are naturally rebellious. And the very thing we are told not to do is the very thing we do. Verse 26. But his wife, 
bless her pointed little head, looked back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt. All she had to do is keep looking forward and not look back. So the question is then, why did she look back? Did she have second thoughts about leaving? Was she going to miss her life in Sodom? Maybe she was enjoying her life in Sin City. Maybe she was an adulteress. Maybe she was a lying schemer. Maybe she was bisexual. Maybe her past life in Sodom was more appealing to her than her unknown future. But the simple fact is she didn't believe what she was told. Because had she believed that God was going to destroy Sodom, she would not have looked back. Had she really believed that she had been delivered from destruction, she would have not looked back. Had she believed the word of God that came from the angels, she would not have looked back and suffered the consequences of disobedience. You hear me say that all the time. You're free to do whatever you want to do. You are absolutely, totally free to do whatever you want to do. Oh, but you're not free from the consequences of doing whatever you want to do. When one chooses to disobey God, they also choose the consequences of their disobedience, which very often cannot be reversed. This was tragic for, 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 for Lot's wife. I felt sorry for Lot. Maybe she was salty anyway, though. Because although she had been rescued and saved from the consequences of sin, she had been rescued and delivered. But she didn't want to be. Obviously, she did not want to leave Sodom because at the moment before she turned around, she had thoughts about going back. She was a perfect example of a fool. A fool doesn't know what's good for him. Proverbs 26.11. Proverbs 26.11. As a dog returneth to his vomit, so a fool returneth to his folly. As a dog returneth to his vomit, so a fool returneth to his folly. And just as a dog will eat something that has already made him sick. Listen, listen, listen closely. Just as a dog will eat something that has already made him sick, a fool re- re- will return to things that are destroying their life. Just as a dog will eat something that has already made him sick, a fool will return to things that are destroying their life. Lot's wife was a faithless fool. She prepared a life, pre- preferred a life of sin and unrighteousness over a life of faith and righteousness. Well, the majority of humanity fits this profile. The Bible clearly tells us the only means by which we can escape the wrath is to ascend to his holy mountain and to believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ as the payment for sin. That's the only way. And that's the way it started out. God said, Adam, don't eat from that tree. You eat from that tree and you're going to die. 
What did he do? He ate from the tree. What happened? He died. And he passed that all on to us. But this is a faith in this is faith in the atoning work of Christ, and it must be demonstrated by obedience. Obedience is how we demonstrate we love the Lord and how we demonstrate we obey his word. The first acts of faith and obedience are what? Repentance, baptism in the name of Jesus and the indwelling of the Holy Ghost. To be saved from the inevitable wrath of God, one must repent. They must acknowledge that they are sinners and be sorry for their sins. They must turn away from a life of sin and refuse to look back. To be rescued from eternal destruction, one's sins must be remitted by baptism in the name of Jesus. And there is no other way for sins to be remitted. To resurrect and arise to eternal righteousness, a soul must be cleansed by the Holy Ghost who purchased the right to redeem them with his own blood. But a large proportion, a large portion of humanity does not believe that this plan of salvation is the only way. It's the only way to escape the inevitable wrath of God. You know what? The majority of humanity doesn't want to be saved. And just as God warned Noah that the entire earth would be consumed in water, and just as the angels warned Lot that that God would consume Sodom with fire, Jesus says one day he shall return and execute judgment. Luke 17, 24. Even the Israelites were looking, wanted to look back. Moses had, they had been delivered from bondage, from the bondage of the Egyptians. And they told Moses, you got us out here in the desert to die. At least we had leeks and onions. They had leeks and onions, had bad, but they desired to have bad breath. They had leeks and onions, but at least we had leeks and onions. Now you got us with this, this manna stuff in this water. We don't even have any salt to put on the manna. Jesus says, one day he's coming back. For as the lightning that lighteth out of the one part under heaven shineth unto the other part under heaven. Is that what it says? So shall also the Son of Man be in his day. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected of of this generation. And as it was in the days of Noah, that's Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Is that what it says? Likewise also as it was in the days of Lot. They did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. This is the mouth of God speaking. All right. Even thus shall it be in the day when the son of man is revealed in that day. He which shall be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. You said get to a high place. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. What does it say next? Remember Remember Lot's wife. Yep. Yep. 
That's what Jesus said, because he was there when she turned around and looked back. Whatsoever shall seek to save, whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. So Jesus says now, during the time of Noah, humanity was warned of the coming destruction. But they ignored Noah. They even laughed at him. They were concerned about the things of the world and not the things of God. Likewise, in the days of Lot, they ignored the warnings and continued in their sinful lifestyles. And as it was in the days of Noah and the days of Lot, so shall it be today. The world does not believe that Jesus is coming back and the church is not making redemption of the soul its ultimate concern. With all these signs going on, why aren't they preaching the gospel? Why aren't they preaching you got to be saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost? We we see the signs. Now there's monkeypox. Monkeypox. Children are dying with hepatitis. The the, the virus is spreading again. Earthquakes and volcanoes now are erupting in places that hadn't erupted hardly ever. The temperature is rising. The Bible says the earth is going to melt with fervent heat. But these are all the signs. But instead they're preaching, they're preaching prosperity. They're preaching money. They're preaching nonsense. Though Israel be as the sand of the sea, only a remnant shall be saved. The message coming across the pulpit should cause us to examine ourselves every time we hear it. We must be compelled to live our lives in constant readiness for God's appearing. For just as it was in the days of Noah and in the days of Lot, so shall it be when the Son of Man comes to execute judgment. On that day, it will be too late to repent. On that day, it'll be too late to be baptized. On that day, the Holy Ghost will no longer be sealing souls because the redemption day will be at hand. And the time for grace and mercy will be over and the door shall be shut. Jesus says, he which shall be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him not likewise turn back. There'll be no time to prepare. There will be no time to prepare. Be ye also ready, for you know not the day nor the hour that the Son of Man shall come. There'll be nothing to pack for your trip. You won't have to pack anything. There will be no time to prepare. The only thing you'll take with you is what you came here with, and that is your soul. There'll be no looking back. And in our preparation for Christ's return, we should not be looking back. Remember Lot's wife. Do you really believe you've been delivered from destruction? Or are you looking back? Are you looking back with fond memories of your life in sin? Girl, we used to get it on. The red light was on. And then the red light went out. I believe that those who have not been born of the water and of the spirit are afraid that if they repent, 
if they go down in the waters of baptism, they're going to lose something. Well, they're right. They will lose something. They'll lose the contamination of sin on their souls. They'll lose the legion of demons that have held their souls back in bondage. Like Lot's wife, they believe that their sinful past is more appealing than their eternal future with Christ Jesus. The truth is, just like Lot's wife, many simply don't believe the word of God. People are sitting in churches at this moment and still don't believe that that, that sin has eternal consequences. They don't believe they need to be delivered. Many Christians are sitting in, in churches though with one. I remember a preacher used to call this "got y'all got a look, look back spirit." Remember that? Y'all got that look back spirit. <laughs> y'all want to keep one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. You got that look back spirit. But you can't, can you drive two cars at one time? No. Can you wear two pairs of shoes at one time? No. Thank you. <laughs> Jesus says we cannot serve God and mammon. We cannot be in the world and in Christ at the same time. John says, love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God shall abide forever. 1 John 2.15 Truth is, though, Many simply don't believe that humanity is headed for eternal, destru- eternal destruction. They don't believe it. Even with the science. Folks in the pulpit don't even believe it. Because if they really believed it, then there would be strict obedience to the born again process. They got this thing, you want to be saved, just follow the Roman road. Follow the Roman, but you know what? There's a saying, all roads, all, all, all roads lead to Rome. All paths lead to Rome. And that's not true. Because there's only one path that leads to Christ. And that's at the corner of Acts 2 and 38. There's no other way. Hmm. Every sinner would repent. Every person would be baptized in the name of Jesus and receive the uh, the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking in tongues. And this is every uh, every sane person's choice. If they believed it. Remember Lot's wife. After she disbelieved and looked back, her choice was eternal. After she believed, if she disbelieved and looked back, her choice was eternal. Once a soul leaves this world, their opportunity to choose their eternal future is gone. Jesus says, whosoever shall seek to save his life, shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. So if one chooses to hold on to a life of iniquity and sin and reject the plan of salvation, they shall suffer eternal death in the lake of fire and brimstone. 
that if one chooses to lose their life in Christ, they shall spend eternity and be preserved in Christ Jesus. Hmm. Isaiah 43:18. This is making sense? All right. Isaiah 43:18 Remember ye not the former things neither consider the things of old Behold I will do a new thing Now it shall spring forth shall ye not know it I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert So this morning, God is calling folks to turn away from your worldly lifestyles. Mm -hmm. I don't know who that's to, but that's who it it says. Turn away from your worldly lifestyle. Mm -hmm. When you get saved, you're supposed to turn away from the world. Now, you've heard me say you cannot backslide and you cannot backslide. You can be saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. But if you live a raggedy life, you're going to suffer the consequences of that raggedy life. That's what the parable of the wasteful son is about. The lost son. He took his inheritance and he wasted it. And he, and he did all kinds of riotous living. His brother accused him of, of sleeping with harlots. He did all of that. But when he returned, it was just his father had treated him as though he had never transgressed. But you will suffer the consequences. You will suffer the consequences. But we are not to remember our former lifestyle. And like Brother Winston said, that you can't do that stuff that you used to do anymore. Yes, we can think about where God has brought us from. But we're not to think about returning to the sinful life we once knew. He says, remember not the former things. Forget about your sinful past and don't allow the devil to remind you of the things you used to do. Because he'll do that. You know you ain't saved. You remember what you used to do. You ain't saved. But he says, don't let the devil remind you of the things you used to do. Don't consider the things of old. Don't even give the things you used to do any thought. Because he says, I'll toss them into the sea of forgetfulness. So if the Lord forgets your sins and, 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 and forgives you of your sins, you need to forgive yourself of your sins and toss them in the river and the lake of forgetfulness. You know why? I'll tell you why. Because if you continue to think about the things you used to do and the places you used to go, your spiritual growth will harden like a pillar of salt. Why? Because after your soul is saved, your flesh is still in rebellion against God and your flesh still desires to do the things you used to do because your flesh did not get saved. Your soul did. Does that make sense to you? Therefore to recall, listen closely, to recall the things you used to do will only serve to inflame your flesh with lust. Bible says don't consider the things of old. Let it go. The Lord says, I will do a new thing. And he did. He gave his body and his blood to save us from death and hell. 
He did a new thing. He made it possible for our souls to be cleansed from sin and clothed in righteousness. He did a new thing. He forgave all of our sins, our sins past, present and all of our future sins. He did a new thing. He made us new creatures, didn't he? He made us new creatures. He did a new thing. He sealed us with his blood until the day of redemption. He did a new thing and he made a way. He made a way in the wilderness. He made a way to escape destruction. He did a new thing. He made rivers in the desert. He made rivers in the desert. The Holy Ghost is rivers of living water flowing in and out of our souls. Yeah, flowing in and out. So the message here is you have escaped. Don't look back. You've escaped. Don't look back. Don't let the sin in your flesh cause you to look back. You have escaped. Don't look back. Looking back is longing for the past. I don't want to know my past. I don't want to entertain my past. I don't want to do anything in my past that I did in my past. I'm looking forward. I've got the future. And my future is in Christ Jesus. And my past is behind me. I am not going to look back. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Remember Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. She remembered her past and it calcified her. Paul says, forgetting what was behind. I forgot all of that. I let it all go. I press. I press toward the mark. You got to press, Brother Winston. And it's a minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day press. You got to press and you can't look back. Let it go. I press toward the mark. Press means I've got to put some energy in it. Press means I've got to, I've got to, I've got to exert something. I got to come against it as it's coming against me. Don't look back. Don't look back. Don't look back. Forgive yourself and don't look back. Why? Just remember Lot's wife. Hallelujah. 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 Father, we thank you for that word. Your word is truly a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And Holy Ghost, we thank you how you faithfully lead us and how you guide us. How your eye is always on us. Your eye is attuned and so is your ear to the righteous. We need not fear anything that shall come against us. You said, I will be with him in trouble. And we thank you, Father, that every time we have a troubling situation, you're right there. Bless your holy name. Bless your holy, holy name. And Father, we thank you for your precious body that was broken. And we thank you for your efficacious blood that was shed. And we thank you, Lord, that we stand here in readiness for your glorious appearing. 
In Jesus' name. Anyone in need of prayer this morning? Anyone in need of prayer? All right.